When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook 'em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Longhorns, great celebration on Friday night, senior night, uh, fifty-point demolition of Texas Tech in the final meeting between the two Texas schools. And what a mess in College Station, Rod! What a mess. Uh, yeah. Looks like Mike Elko is in down yeah. in College Station. He arrived in College Station middle of the night. Um, but, man, how bad did it get on Saturday night into Sunday morning? There are reports, Rod, that Mark Stoops flew from Lexington to College Station, landed. Yeah, agreed, and agreed went back. to it. Yeah, was all, was, all on, was all in. And then I guess the decision makers at a and were like, no, nah, he's not the guy. There was such <laughs> backlash. Yeah, from the, from like the board. The read, yeah, that like were, everyone. <laughs> anybody that matters. But how do you not – okay, this is my thing. Okay. Before you make that move and before you go all in on Mark Stoops, allegedly, all right, how do you not how are you not in touch with your board members and the decision makers to know how they feel about it, to gauge their you know what I mean, their interest in this candidate? You should that means that that's a bigger issue because that means you're out of touch with the decision makers and the board. Yes. Right? Uh, Ross Bjork, right? Yeah. Ross Bjork is running is running point on this hire. And he clearly, you know, Mark Stoops had a game. They played Louisville. They beat Louisville in their rivalry game oh. on Friday. What are you doing? Or on Saturday, I should say. They won that game, 38-31. And then next thing you know, the report surfaced. that it Because that it, there, were, there were reports earlier on Saturday that, was, that Dabo Swinney became a real Dabo candidate. Dabo Swinney. Your Ryan Day stuff came up Ryan that you Day brought came up. up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think, I, I think Ross Bjork made a run at those guys through their agents, right? I think – and Dabo had a game, right? They had to play South Carolina. Um I mean, I think there was – but Mark Stoops became the guy, and you're right. How do you allow him to get on an airplane if that did happen and fly to College Station? But the backlash was so – remember when, when Sark got here and he hired Mike Stoops? Oh, I remember that. To the coaching staff? And then people lost. That didn't go well. It did not go well. Because he had been an advisor on the Alabama staff where Sark was. And I was like, Ooh. well, he's a good coach, but he didn't. And give Sark credit. Sark realized pretty quickly, whoa, whoa, whoa. The tail wagged the dog on that one. I am – that's not the I'm battle. A new guy. Yeah. That's not one of the battles that's I want to play. That's a hill that I'm not willing to die on. No, as for no. Stoops, no. Oh, you don't it. want him? Okay. Move on to somebody else. Which He's... is okay. That's an assistant coach who's coming in. This yeah. is okay. And that, I like him. We work together at Alabama, but yeah, now I realize that. who's a better hire, Stoops or Elko. I think Elko. Okay. But at the end of the day, we'll find out because I liked Mike Elko from the beginning. He helped recruit a lot of this recruiting class that's there. That's true. He's the locker room loves the guy. But is he a you know a, a level hire? We'll find out. Well, you got to hire an A level offensive coordinator. That's going to be big for him. It is. Who is OC? This is going to be huge, huge, huge. His first staff because he'll build a good defense. The defense, team. yeah, the, de- the defense wasn't the biggest issue for them. Their yeah. biggest issue was development on the offensive line and their offensive identity, um, and just not being modernized in terms of their offensive well, it, it, identity. It, look, Sark has talked a lot about the culture at Texas, and it certainly has just helped them. And that's another one. The, the culture at AM is terrible. Um, you know, even Aggie fans will tell you that seeing them play for two games without Jimbo is just a different team. They play with more energy. Mm-hmm. There's, they didn't like Jimbo. I mean, that's pretty clear. 
uh, by the end. But, but I didn't even let him say goodbye to the team. I know. <laughs> it was like, well, no, you're good. Well, but we'll find – I mean, the, the, the aftermath. I mean, in the end, you get Mike Elko. But, man, because, you know, Mark Stoops was underwhelming, but he's done a good job at Kentucky. He's done he more with less. He yes. knows the SEC. And he's, he's – you know, the track record's pretty strong. But he's a, you know, 7-8 win coach. Uh, that's not what they want. <laughs> no. That's not what the decision makers uh, in Aggieland were willing to accept. So Elko, but you're right. El- Elko's a culture guy, so I think he will fix the culture. He's a defensive guy, so defense I'll be taken care of because the defense isn't necessarily bereft of talent at all. In fact, they're not bereft of talent anywhere. But that wasn't their biggest issue. That wasn't their their fatal flaw. The fatal flaw was on offense, particularly the offensive line, and that's pass protection. Why they keep going through quarterbacks, quarterbacks getting hurt, and also the lack of modern cheat codes used on the modern concepts used on the offensive side of the ball, and that's on Jimbo. So whoever they hire an offensive coordinator, that'll make this hire of Elko a lot sexier and a lot palatable if the OC is good, if it's a good OC hire. And I don't know who it is right now, but there are a bunch of – Well, it's kind of like if you're like Sark's an offensive guy. When he hired Pete Kukowski, there were questions, and your first couple of years you weren't sure. But now you know the defense has gotten steadily better, and they, they play at a high level right now, uh, Longhorns. You feel pretty good about Pete Kukowski mm-hmm. as your, your defensive – coordinator. Yep. Uh, you're right. Mike Elko's a defensive guy. He's got to make the right hire on offense at A&M. All right. Uh, we also got Dana Holgerson out of Houston. Not surprising. They lost to Central Florida on Saturday. Uh, that could be the Jeff Trailer spot, by the way. Jeff Trailer or Gary Patterson. That's I think Trailer. I think Trailer's the guy. I would go Trailer over Patterson, even though I'm I mean, I just can't, younger. <laughs> can't go wrong with Gary Patterson. But he's a little younger, and he seems like he already, his blueprint is a little bit more modern in terms of uh, the, the outreach and connection with the community, he can just take exactly his blueprint and what he did to uh, promote the brand of UTSA in San Antonio and just bring it straight to H-Town. Yeah, he can. And you got a sugar daddy in H-Town, too, which he did not have. I'm sure UTSA's got some money there. Um, but they ain't got a sugar daddy like Tillman no, Fertitta. No, not Tillman Fertitta. Um, and you get, so it's – and, I mean, you – you need somebody who wants to be front and center. I love Gary Patterson, but Gary Patterson doesn't want to be front and center all the time. He just wants to coach ball, which he's great at. He's all a famer. Jeff Trailer needs both. Yes, Jeff Trailer. He, he's he's fine being the face of the program. He's fine going to Rockets games, right? He's fine, you know. What I mean, going to hang out, going to speak to powwow and stuff like that. You need somebody who's going to do well, that. Especially in that city, right? In San Antonio, yeah. it's the Spurs and no one else, right? In in Houston, you've got the Texans and the Astros and the, and yeah, the Rockets. Yeah, you got to go to the Astros it's game and kick it. Yeah, yeah you do. You know what I mean? you, if you want to get some headlines, but in the end, it's about winning. It's a there. buck right outside your window, right there, just eating, just. Have a little nice morning. Just oh, the deer morning. all right up, right up in the, in the front <laughs> yard here. Right in your front yard. Welcome to Onion Creek. <laughs> hey, can we get to the other headlines, though? Then Rod's got a rant coming up. It's a Monday conversation. Good, bad, and ugly from a great weekend. Hope yours was phenomenal uh, with four days of fen- uh, friends and family and feasts and football. Let's get the news. Top Gun Rentals and Lot Equipment bringing you the top stories. And, yeah, Longhorns for a sixth consecutive week, number seven in this week's AP Top 25 rankings. Despite that 57-7 senior night demolition of Texas Tech, they've you know, that clinched them a spot in this Saturday's conference title game against Oklahoma State. Ohio State fell from the ranks of the unbeaten with their loss to Michigan Saturday, but remain ahead of Texas in the AP at least at six. Georgia's one, Michigan two, Washington three. Florida State is four. Oregon holding down the fifth spot in that uh, those rankings. The penultimate college football playoff committee rankings will be revealed tomorrow night ahead of championship weekend to settle it all. That will start Friday night when Washington meets Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, we mentioned the. Uh, it looks like Mike Elko is going to become the new head coach at Texas A&M. That deal could be done and finalized as of today. Aggies initially pursued Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops, but that deal fell apart early morning hours on Sunday. Um, 
Baylor has announced that their head coach, Dave Aranda, will be retained despite a 3-9 and nine season. Uh, major changes coming to his coaching staff, though, including Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator, is out. Mississippi State has hired OU offense coordinator Jeff Levy to be their new head coach. In college basketball, Sunday matinee for the 15th-ranked Longhorns yesterday at Moody Center. Uh, Rodney Terry's squad improves to 5-1 with a 86-63 win over Wyoming. Max Aismas led the way with 23. NFL, tough loss for the Texans yesterday down in Houston. Jacksonville secured their spot atop the AFC South and put an end to Houston's win streak. 24-21, the final kick, Texans kicker Matt Amendola's 58-yard game-tying field goal attempt bounced off the crossbar with 34 seconds to go. That close from going to overtime, likely. Also yesterday, Jalen Hurts scored a 12-yard touchdown run in overtime. Now Philadelphia edged the Buffalo Bills 37-34 in a thriller at Lincoln Financial Field. Last night on Sunday Night Football, the Ravens beat the Chargers 20-10. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capital Area Food Bank. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Love that Texas play the Brett Yarmark comments. Was he still there for that? I don't know. I wish he was still in the building for it. I think he might have left <laughs> considering the way the game was going. Brett Yarmark might have might have pieced out a little bit early. If I was him, I would have. And, and just like he did in the pregame, <laughs> uh, Sark was asked about that in the postgame, and he took the high road, uh, as usual. Yeah, classy guy. Classy. But here was Sark about, and I, I think Ty's got this cut about poking the bear, and there's no doubt this team has used the words of others, um, yeah. uh, like, like Joey McGuire last year. Do we have that, Ty? Brady Armour's comments. The, uh, the comments from Jared Hufford yeah. for Iowa State. After the game, we saw multiple players, JT Sanders, Xavier Worth. Xavier Worthy actually tagged him in his tweet. Uh, <laughs> really tagged him in a tweet. Byron Murphy. These are guys that usually don't go on social media talking trash, but they have recently, and I think it's in retaliation to all the bullets and board material that was thrown out there. So uh, it, hopefully this is team that's just – it's a coincidence. They're playing their best football, and they're also motivated by bulletin board material. Hopefully it's not bulletin board material is motivated well, to play some of their best ball, and then when they don't have that, they, you know, well, they that's the best part is of motivated. This current Texas team sitting 11-1, right, and playing for a championship is, you know, the things Joey McGuire said at the locker room last year weren't all, all that untrue, right? There was, was a time where this program, if you keep hitting them, they'll back down, yep. that they were, could, could have that soft label rod. But this program, this current group, has taken that personally, right? They're like, no, no, we're changing that. And, you know, so if you want to call us out, bring it. And here's Sark talking about the motivation of uh, poking the bear. We knew this was going to be a difficult year. We knew we had a good team, but we also knew it would be a difficult year. We knew every road game we went on were going to be really tough environments to play in. We knew every team we played in our conference, we were going to get their best shot. You know, they were going to run their best plays, their best tricks, their best pressures, the best runs, whatever that looks like. And so um, that requires us to be at our best week in and week out. And, um, you know, our, our players did that. You know, I touched on this a little bit last week. You know, I think we're at a point now where we've understood – you know, and I, and I, I use the adage, embrace the hate, and I, and I apologize if I offended anybody when, when I said that early on. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I understand why he apologized. He's just being classy and taking the high road. But um, it's clear that the, um, the motivation for this team was not only to 
change the narrative for Texas football. Like you said, there was a label that Texas was soft, that Texas would fold. Even, even for Sark, though, right? He had a narrative when he got here that, oh, man, his team start great, but they can't finish games. They can't win one-score games. He can't um, win the chess match within the game against opposing coaches. You know, all of that has shifted. All of that is that discourse now is, is going in a different direction um, because Sark and this team, they really came out and they proved the naysayers wrong. They started to close games, started to win games in the fourth quarter. Sark is winning those one-score games. He's, you know, outwitting guys like John Haycock, right, on the road and giving his team a schematic, tactical, strategic advantage. So there are a lot of concerns we all had going into this season. I'm not going to say they checked every box and answered every question, but there is no doubt about it that um, they changed the, if you don't like what people are saying, change the conversation. They did not like what people were saying about Texas football, and they have certainly changed the conversation. Yeah, uh, And, you know, if you, if you need a little poke in the bear, that's good. And, uh, hey, you know, that's, that, that's we'll how take you, it. Uh, what is that, right? If people are, are saying things, then shut them up. Um, you know, and, and Texas has done that now. They've got one more game to win. Will Hersark coming up as well. Uh, bottom of the hour, we'll give away our uh, giveaway. We'll reveal our Viking fence defensive play of the game. There were plenty of them on Saturday night, or Friday night, I should say, 57-7. to 7. Uh, We'll also get Sark talking about uh, was asked right at the end of the the, the post game news conference. Are you the best one loss team in America? Mm. Uh, we'll hear Sark's answer to that. But right now, can we get Rod's first rant of the day as we go deep dive? Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's no. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's uh, talk some Dallas Cowboys here. Uh, you know, yeah, last week I told you guys that Deron Bland should be in the Defensive Player of the Year <laughs> conversation. Um, and I said if he ends up getting another interception return for a touchdown, there is no doubt he may be leading the defensive player of the year conversation, and he should be considered, you know, defensive player of the year. Well, after getting his fifth interception, setting the record, uh, returned five now interceptions for touchdowns. By the way, 13 NFL teams have yet to have a pick six. He's got five of them on his own. He is fast becoming like one of the top corners in the league. And it's surprising to us to see a fifth round pick in his second year ascend to this level of play watching uh, Deron Bland. I think he's got uh, seven interceptions on the season. Now five of those returned for, uh, for touchdowns. Apparently the Cowboys were not surprised by Deron Bland. Apparently the Cowboys had been, um, doing a lot of uh, deep dive research about Deron Bland, and he was considered one of their hidden gems uh, in the draft. Ian Rappaport uh, talked about this on NFL Network. Um, here is uh, Ian Rappaport talking about how the Cowboys had the inside scoop on Deron Bland coming out of the draft. Meanwhile, one of the breakout stars of the NFL this year has been Deron Bland, the Cowboys corner Five pick sixes, an NFL record. This is a crazy story. He's a fifth-round pick. Really, nobody was on him. Ross Winchie, the Cowboys area scout, was on him. They wanted to keep it quiet. Josh Arnold, Deron Bland's agent, was telling the Cowboys, I got a guy, I got a guy, bring him in. They're like, we know. They didn't want anyone to know. They eventually brought him into his visit, Rich, late he had so much interest, but late, he couldn't even do all his visits. That's how late people were on him. The Cowboys certainly have a big-time find in Bland. Yeah, so a lot of teams came on them late. Cowboys were on them early. 
Um, so give the Cowboys some props. But, um, I mean, he's a guy that now is considered pro football focus, has him rated as the highest-graded cornerback in the league uh, who has played 500-plus snaps. And he is he's only had seven – this is his 17th start he just had uh, over uh, the weekend, over the holiday weekend. And in those 17 starts, he now has 12 interceptions in 17 starts. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. He's going to be first-team All-Pro. Yeah, he is. And he might be yeah. Defensive Player of the Year. He should be in the conversation now. now. He's got to have big, some big plays against these big guys. I keep saying that for Dak, too, on the other side. No, you're the Cowboys right. are playing great. They're 8-3. and three. Uh, but we kind of knew once they lost to Philadelphia on that Sunday night game, they were going to be 8-3, and three, right? The Cowboys were going to beat the Giants, the Panthers, and the, and the Commanders. Those were three bad teams. And they handled that, and they crushed them. Now the challenge comes, and just like Dak with the MVP side, if, if they play well in these next four or five games, which are going to be marquee games, Rod. Yeah, they're going to be big. This coming Thursday night, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, then they play you know, Christmas Eve in, with Miami. They've got Buffalo in, in December. They've got Philadelphia in, in, on prime time. You know, this is the opportunity to make a statement. Uh, and obviously, you, if, you, if you continue to play this way, you know, they'll make those statements, and there won't be any doubt. Same time, the, the knock on the Cowboys is they can't win the big games. They yep. can't be good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the narrative they need to change. We're talking about the long-run changing narratives. Long uh, Cowboys, a lot of people, you know, the national narrative is, yeah, they're good, but they're good they can't teams. beat the Niners. Yeah, They can't beat Philadelphia. Yep. Good, and, and now they had their opportunity over the next five weeks. Uh, and part of that opportunity, not only because DeMarion Bland's playing well, but Dak Prescott's playing his best football. You said it a week ago. This is the best you've seen um, Dak play in his career. And I think the stats actually would prove you to be correct. I mean, he is now he had 107.3 uh, passer rating this season, has a 107.3 passer rating this season. That's his career high. Um, in, that, in week 12, he had an A-dot, average depth of target, um, of 14.7 yards. That was the highest average depth of target in a game this season <laughs> by any QB. Um, and since week six, he's completing over 70% of his passes, 20 touchdowns to two interceptions, nearly nine yards per attempt, and a 122.6 passer rating. That is just since week six. Dak is taking his game to a whole new level. But all the other pieces around Dak are playing better and playing. CeeDee Lamb is playing like an all-pro wide receiver. Tony Pollard, this is something that you said you wanted to see when they had this stretch of playing subpar teams, which Washington um, was the last kind of subpar team they're going to play before they go on this really, really tough stretch. And you said you wanted to see them work on the running game because even though their passing game was functioning at an elite level with Dak and CD and Jake Ferguson to throw him in there, we hadn't seen the running game find its groove. Tony Pollard may be getting healthier now. I don't say healthy, he's been healthy, but may now be feeling like his old self. Uh, over the last three games, Tony Pollard, 15 forced missed tackles. He had just eight in the first eight games. So he's throwing the round in the form, and he's starting to find his explosivity back. Um, and the Cowboys also, remember I talked about how they've modernized the Texaco's offense, and a big, you know, one of the big factors, or at least one of the concepts used in most modern offenses, shifts and motions, a lot of movement pre-snap, and a lot of movement at the time of the snap. Cowboys versus Washington use a shift or motion on over 75% of their offensive snaps. It was a season high. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, and of course, after that game, after the Cowboys put 40 on Washington, Dak eat the the turkey leg out of the Salvation Army bucket. That was awesome with Kevontae Turpin's touchdown. But how about the Washington football team? They fired Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, after the game. Yeah. That's a very Washington thing to do, right? I mean, it's – but, you know, the deadline, they traded both of their young pass rushers, Chase Young 
uh, Montez Sweat. Now you have no pass rush, which exposes your secondary, but fire the defensive coordinator by yeah. all means, right? Well, they won't run Rivera to, <laughs> to call the plays, and yeah. you know how that goes. That, that means you're truly on the hot seat when you're forced to call the plays. There's some coaches that call plays anyway, yeah. but when you're forced to call the plays, he's, he's usually it. it means, yeah, your he's day's dead man walking. Uh, but either way, I mean, the point of that is, you know, the, Washington had just lost to the Giants. By the way, the Giants beat – how about Bill Belichick losing to Tony DeVito yesterday? Yeah. In, Tommy. Um, come on, man. Tommy, 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 Tony, Danny, I don't know. <laughs> Tony still, DeVito. He got to still living with his parents. He just beat Bill Belichick. No matter whatever he does, he's now always beat say that. I Bill beat Belichick. I know Bill Belichick's got some issues. Man. Big issues. But either way, uh, look, I don't think you even think Cowboy fans would push back or would push back on this. You've got to beat the good teams, and now you have your chance. You've handled the bad teams. They've outscored their, their eight wins by 200 points, Rod. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Everything's right. But now now you're facing Pete Carroll. Then you face Nick Sirianni. Then you're going to face Mike, you know, the McDaniel and the Dolphins. Then you're going to face Dan Campbell and the Lions. You know, these are all huge challenges, but it's, it's you know, where the Cowboys have put themselves. I think it's going to be a lot of fun in the next month to five weeks to see where this team can go uh, in the NFC. And as the Philadelphia showed you yesterday in the win over Buffalo, you still got to beat the Eagles. You still have to beat them because they were down 10 points going into the fourth quarter in a rain, in a rainy, gross yeah. day and found a way to win that game. Yeah, no, but it, you're going you're gonna to need big Dak energy to do it. But I think you've been getting big Dak energy for the last, I don't know, five, six weeks. And Coming out of their bye week, he's been great. He, uh, and he, they, since week six, basically, he's been and, fantastic. And they've adopted, as you just said, a lot of the things you suggested they adopt, uh, you know, Help out C.D. Lamb, get him yep. in motion, make it difficult on a defense, give your quarterback um, you know, some advantages, and they have. And he's played really, really good. And Dak looks really confident. As you said, he's going to be a daddy. Uh, that picture yeah, came out. His, yeah. His Congrats girlfriend with child now. So a uh, good run for the Cowboys. So, you know, pretty good Monday. You know, if you're a Longhorn fan, you're excited. If you're a Cowboys fan, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, even a Texans fan, as I am, Rod, it's, I, you know, it was a hard loss uh, yesterday, but yeah. you still like where they're going. You split it with the Jags. It'd be different if you hadn't won that first game with the Jags in Jacksonville. You won that one, so you split it. Now you still got a shot, an outside shot at the division, but yeah, you've you've given up some easy ones now. And, a couple uh, ones no, they, you should have had. They got work to do. There's yeah. still no doubt but about that. But they're so ahead of schedule. They're so it's, ahead of it's schedule. It's hard to be upset. Right? <laughs> so he's like, they're 6-5. Who would have thought that, right? They have exactly. a chance to, to, to be in the mix because after yesterday, their schedule is – Pretty, where the Cowboys are about to hit the toughest part of their schedule, the Texans have a very winnable stretch of their schedule um, yep. with six wins already. Uh, all right, so there's some good stuff with Rod's rant from the weekend. That's one of those uh, four-day weekends. We try to compile it all and bring it to you uh, from Thursday all the way to this Monday where it is uh, official now. Mike Elko has accepted the head coaching job at Texas A&M. There yeah, it is. News conference. Longhorns, it's official. They're headed to the Big 12 title game to play Oklahoma State on Saturday. Uh, Rod, real quick, before we get to the timeout and come back here from Sark, are they the best one-loss team? A couple things jump out. You know, the Longhorns are a two-touchdown favorite over Oklahoma State Saturday. How about Oregon, a nine-and-a-half point favorite over Washington? Nine-and-a-half. Hmm. That's a wow. big number. It is a big number. It's huge. That's huge. Um, that's a lot. Respect for, but Washington, they're trending toward a loss. We've talked about I mean, it about speaks this. to the, where both teams are. Oregon's playing great. Yeah. Washington won yeah. the first matchup, yep. but um, – uh, Oregon outgained them, so that's a big number in the Pac-12 championship game. Man, Kalen DeBoer, though, he's such – do you know Kalen DeBoer? <laughs> Finds ways to win, man. He is – he's such a winner. Do you know how many games he's lost in his head coaching career? Like one. No, 11 total. Oh, total. Like total in his career, he's lost 11 Where games. Where was he a head coach, coach before he was at Washington? He was like at NA, NAIA. Because oh, okay. uh, he was the like offensive coordinator in It was like Sioux Falls or something like that. Yeah, okay. but as a head coach, as, as, a, as a head coach, when he's a head coach, because like, he was a coordinator, like you said, at one time too. Um, but as a head coach, and he's been 
uh, at Sioux Falls. That was way back. And then he became like an OC because he wanted to get into the bigger ranks. Then you got Fresno State, who was the head coach, and Washington. You're talking about a head coaching record of 102 and 11. 102. And 11. That's good. I mean, I don't give a damn what level of football you're coaching at. That's impressive. And what we're seeing now, too, I, guys who are coached at the lower levels, they're getting more shots, I think. It feels like that, right? feels like guys like um, Lance, Lance Lepo. Yeah. yeah, it seems like they get more and more shots. Just yeah. for the damn good coaches. Uh, well, and in Texas, a lot of high school coaches are making their way up right. with uh, Jeff Trailer and coach, obviously Joey McGuire. That's right. Okay, uh, one other note. Louisville, Longhorn fans are rooting for the Louisville Cardinal against Florida State in that uh, Saturday night matchup in the ACC. Uh, Florida State a three-and-a-half-point favorite early, three-and-a-half. So, hmm. field goal game, essentially, on the neutral site. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia favored by five in that Early oh, line okay. in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll hear Sark, our, his case, or at least his. Uh, when asked the question, are you the best one-loss team in the country? We'll play the scenarios. Uh, long ones have to get one more to get to uh, you know, a great season, 12-1, and one, but um, could be on the outside looking in. We'll talk about it. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, let's hear the uh, Viking fence defensive play of Friday night's Longhorn demolition of Texas Tech 57-7. to Our friends at Viking Fence every Monday after a Longhorn game, uh, we reveal who is the Viking Fence defensive play of the game. Can we hear that, Ty Henderson? Morton in trouble. It's an Andre Sweat in the back. That hit the foot. That didn't hit the ground. It's picked off by Bush. That hit the foot of a Texas Tech player. So it's a pick six for Bush. There you go, Rod. Number 43. That gave the Longhorns 43 points, and it was a 43-yard kick six. Kick yeah, six. Seriously. I would also say that if you go back and watch that play and Baron Morton, because Tavondre Sweat had so beaten his his, his assignment, he was like a, a bear chasing Bear. Like he was coming at Baron Morton, and Baron Morton's like, oh, I'm not stepping into this throw. Nope. And he like Just threw it off it his out back there. foot. I mean, what are the odds, though? I mean, hitting <laughs> his foot, foot. And, and bouncing right up into the arms of Jed Bush. Like on senior just, night. On senior night. Like, yeah, it, it was Texas night. Like, it just was Well, not. think about the seniors. Keelan Robinson had a great senior night. Tavondre Sweat had a great senior Jay night. Jay Witt had a good night. Jay Witt. I mean, it's just – it was really good and, and cool to see. And I, as I've said, I talked to a lot of folks who have been to a lot of football games at that stadium that uh, – now, that was a, an experience they'll never forget with uh, the crowd and the seniors and the drone show and all that went on, uh, which is pretty cool. Also, on a good, bad, and ugly Monday, Rod, congratulations to the uh, area high school teams who are continuing to play. How about Lake Travis? Lake Travis Westlake this week. Ooh, that's top prediction. Saturday. Yeah. Saw what happened. One versus two in the area, one of the two of the top-ranked teams in the state. They're going to play in Pflugerville on Saturday. Puffield. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 2 o'clock Saturday. Strange they couldn't find a bigger venue, but it's uh, not. Yeah, well, that's where they're going to play, okay. uh, a little bit of a neutral site. Yeah, I mean, but still, that's Take it east. Bigger, that's some bigger neutral sites than that. Felt like it. Yeah. Uh, Dripping Springs, congrats to the Tigers. They're going to play Cibolo Steel this weekend in uh, um, the, the, the next round. We've also got uh, 
Who else? Regents, Smith, Wimberley, okay. Blanco, nice. still playing. So congrats good to them. Luck, but, good luck. But Westlake and Lake Travis and Dripping Springs, the, the, the bigger schools that are still alive in the state's playoffs. Um, but uh, we got Longhorns, we got Cowboys, we got High School Rod. It was a great weekend of football. Uh, fantastic weekend of football. And yeah, to the um, you know to the conversation about the in-game environment. I was talking to my man Drew Kelson because he went to – I had family. They all went. Um, obviously, I was at home with you. We did the in-game live watch. Which was uh, on Texas Football, which was phenomenal. It was awesome. Uh, did the post-game with my man Bobby Burt. So, shout-out to On Texas Football, the YouTube uh, channel uh, that works with our good friends at Inside Texas. But um, he said also that it was one of the, the best in-game environments with the most energy that he's experienced going to a game. He just said – and I think it was all feeding off of each other. I think it was – you know, uh, one of those things where it was senior night, so it was already a lot of emotion. And on top of the, the emotion of the senior night, right, you had the comments from Brett Yormark from, you know, the offseason. You had Texas Tech and all their trash talk from the previous season and the offseason. So I think every – and the Longhorns hadn't been this good in like 15 years. So it was all that emotional energy that was packed into the stadium. And I'll give CDC a lot of credit – um, obviously, give Texas football team a lot of credit. It was their, their most complete game they played um, with all that emotion. So they fed off of it. You know, it didn't overwhelm them. It didn't cause them to make oh, – they had some penalties. But it didn't cause them to be their own worst enemy. They used that emotion to, um, to fuel uh, that, that run they had against Texas Tech and all with all three phases. And then you got the drone show and the light show. So give CDC credit. The in-game environment finally felt like it actually helped Texas win a game. I'm not saying it's never helped Texas win the game. I'm sure it has. But this time it felt like it. It felt like it was a palpable advantage. Yeah. That in-game environment for Texas and the fans. They were almost weaponized in that environment with that energy. And I'll give CDC credit for that. Part of that is the, you know, all of the different light shows and all the different technology and all the different elements you bring to the table there. But I, it's just people who describe it to me like they described it to you. You know, it, it felt like something. And, and by the way, when they brought Manning in, Bro, Arch Manning, you had the loudest ovation of the night, which is crazy. You had a lot of moments where everybody got loud and crazy, but he had to shush the crowd. He had to, he had to tell the crowd to calm down And when he got in there. That's how you know he was composed. Came in there and was like, guys, calm down. Calm down, all right? And that's how you know every quarterback is different. What did Malik do when he got his first start? He hyped up the crowd. Yeah. He's like, come on, let's go, baby. Let's go. Every quarterback's different. Manning's like, nah, y'all calm down, guys. I need to operate this offense. I'm trying to get an eight-minute drive going. And he did. <laughs> and, as we, and as we told you earlier, uh, Malik Murphy, unfortunately, got hurt. Uh, Sark revealed after the game that Sark – uh, that, that Malik was on the sidelines on Keelan Robinson's electrifying. You know, he had him swivel, man, on the s- sideline. Second he, half inter- I think he know, was looking at the Jumbotron yeah. instead of looking at the field. Yeah, he was looking up yeah. and uh, got run into by, by someone on mm-hmm. kick coverage and uh, so injured, injured his non-throwing shoulder, yes, and that's why Arch was the first one in. And, uh, you know, there's already reports that he won't be able to go this week. He won't, may not be available. We'll hear more from Sark today at 11 o'clock with his weekly news conference. Let's yeah. hear Sark now on uh, – uh, are you the best one-loss team? Because we know there are undefeateds at the top, right, with Georgia, Michigan after handling their business against Ohio State uh, with a 30-24 to 24 win. Uh, by the way, how about a, what a, what a great drive from Michigan. You know, they got the ball with eight minutes to go. Ohio State had just scored to get back in the game. 
and Michigan went on a seven-minute drive. Just they kicked a field goal to end it. Choked the life out of them. You talk about what, what won the game. It was that. Yep. I mean, it was – I mean, Ohio State had momentum, and if they get a stop, and they just ran it and ran it and ran it and converted, and next thing you know, they're kicking a field goal with a minute to go, which gave Ohio State very little time, and they had to go score a touchdown. And and, everybody uh, knew they was throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> that was impressive. That was impressive. Yeah. Uh, big time. And so they're still undefeated. Uh, we know – you know, Washington wins again. They won the Apple Cup uh, narrowly Ooh. over Washington State in a good game. Barely. And then Florida oh, State, with the backup quarterback, beat Florida in their rival game. That fourth, that fourth and one call by Kalen DeBoer, the reverse. Big time. <laughs> Balls. Talk about – I mean, you know you know, Sark watched that and took his pants off. He was like, yes, I would <laughs> love to do that. Off. I would love to be that. I want to do that. You know, so Sark, he has, a, he has moments where he want to call plays like that. He's like, no, Sark, just run the ball. Just get the yardage. But that was a brilliant play call. Nobody expected it. Golly. If it didn't work – they have crucified that dude on social media, but it worked and it was brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that stretch from like uh, five in the evening until about eight o'clock was just unbelievable. I mean, the games, the finishes, the Auburn game. By the way, can you tell me what Auburn was doing on defense against Alabama on uh, fourth and goal from the 31 yard line? I, I got to go back and rewatch that because I'm with you. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, they had like four guys not doing anything because yeah. they had people rushing, but they really weren't rushing. And then they had a linebacker who was playing spy who didn't do anything. And it's like they were covering people, not real estate, Rod. I'm not, yeah, I don't understand either. It's like they were – yeah, I'm with you. Why would the linemen – why wouldn't they be aggressive and try to get up Fourth field? Fourth and 31, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like – You either bring the house or and you, not give him time or, or you, you put everybody like, in the end zone. Yeah, you, brought, you bring like two people and they drop everybody else. Treat it like a Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. and, and everyone's facing the quarterback so you can see the ball. Yep. Uh, they're not chasing a guy in the back corner of the end zone. That was weird. Uh, that was bad defense, Gus Malzahn. Terrible defense. Not Gus Malzahn. What's his name? Uh, Hugh Freeze. Bad Hugh. defense, Hugh Freeze. And uh, so that you know, so Alabama's still a one-loss team. Oregon, a one-loss team. Texas, a one-loss team. Sark was asked after the game, "Are you the best one-loss team in the country?" And here's what Sark had to say. I don't get to watch the other teams play like that, and so I don't know um, how everybody's how everybody's doing it and how everybody's going, how everybody's working. I, I won't back off the fact that I think we have the best win in the country this year. I think going into Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and beating them by, by double digits, um, I've said this before, and I know we're going into that league next year. You know, if it were that easy, then other teams in the SEC would have done it the other 53 games that they went 52-1 and one in. So um, I'm proud of our guys for what we've accomplished up to this point into the season. Um, like I said, we'll see how the, the dust settles next week. But we got to handle our business. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah, right about that. And uh, like, I like what he said. You know, that's still campaigning. He's doing it in a classy way. But he's still campaigning, and he got to for your team. He threw out there, hey, we still got the best damn win of any team in the country. Uh, he can't really get into whether they're the best one-loss team because then you're kind of talking trash. <laughs> and Sark don't want to do that because he realized the power of trash talk and blood to boy material because he just used it with his team <laughs> and weaponized it. Uh, so I, I think he wants to avoid that. But, yeah, throw out the facts. And the facts are beating Bama, I don't know if any team in the country has a better win than that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you write your congressman or whatever you do because if you compare Texas to Oregon as a one-loss team, and Oregon right now is still ahead of Texas, and Ohio State right now is still ahead of Texas, at least in the AP, AP poll. poll. We'll see what the college football playoff rankings look like tomorrow that. night. They better not. But, as, again, with, you know, this coming Saturday, Friday, and Saturday, all the puzzle pieces will be played, and now we'll know. Um, because if it comes down to Texas and Oregon, and Oregon beats Washington, uh, um, you're not, you're be, not passing Oregon. And here's the thing. Here's you're not. Currently, Texas, if you're going just the facts, current Texas has – 
two wins against current top 25 teams. Oregon has one. If they beat Washington, they then have two. Yeah. Yes. Uh, opponent record, including excluding FCS teams. Texas's opponent's record, 81-63. and 63. Uh, Oregon's team's right around 500. Uh, Texas has beaten seven teams who are currently bowl eligible. Oregon, five. And now they have a common opponent because they both played Texas Tech, and Oregon beat them in Lubbock uh, 38-30, and it was really 31-30, to but there was, remember that, remember I got beat on that with a bad gambling beat, because mm-hmm. it was 31-30, and they had a, you know, fumble recovery for a touchdown in, the, like, the last play of the game to make it an eight-point game. Texas won by 50, so. Yeah, no, it, I, so I agree with all that, by the way. I think Texas does have a better resume and does have a better uh, case uh, to justify them leapfrogging Oregon. Oregon probably should have never been ranked ahead of Texas, but that's the problem. The problem is from the first committee rankings, they were ranked ahead of Texas from yep. the jump because they happened right after the Oklahoma game, yep. right? So they've been ranked ahead of Texas, and their best data points are to come. They're just getting their best data points. Texas had already had their best data points. Bama, well, Oklahoma at the time should have been another one. So they already had their, their bumps. And now Washington and sorry, Oregon's getting their bump. They'll get another one if they beat Washington. You're not, you're not passing up Oregon. If Oregon wins, you're not going to pass them up. Forget about it. Well, it, is, it ain't happening. You're right. It ain't you happening. will pass Ohio State because Ohio State's going to be yes. sitting at home this weekend. Yeah. If you beat Oklahoma State and do it with some style, yeah. uh, you'll be a conference champion and a 12-win team. They're telling you style points matter. And you got some this past weekend. Yeah. Style points matter. That's what Oregon's winning with. So, I mean, look, there is a chance Longhorn fans need to accept that uh, I think most of them have. But the reality is you could win this game handily, be 12-1, and one, and end up number five. Um, you know, just the way that could play out. And it's a weird year. Normally that would be good enough uh, to get in uh, to really, if you go back to the, to in recent memory. But, uh, you know, obviously if Georgia beats Alabama, if, uh, if Michigan handles Iowa, which they're a heavy favorite, obviously, uh, if, you know, whoever wins the Washington-Oregon game is going to occupy that three That's spot. A guaranteed spot. And, you know, if Florida State, you know, as much as you can say they have a backup quarterback, if Florida State beats Louisville, they're, um, in. they're in. They're going to be 13-0. Yeah. And that's, you know, you know, but look, how often do we have four undefeated teams? And if Washington's able to beat Oregon, you'd have four undefeated teams potentially. That almost never happens. No. Um, and that would just be bad luck for Texas, but it's still a great season. Well, that's why we're going to 12. <laughs> that's right? why we're so, going we to get, so these stupid conversations that we're having now, we don't even need to engage in them anymore. We'll, power five conferences will end up having multiple teams. They'll have, you know, Texas will get in next time, and then you have, Oklahoma will be in too, potentially. You know, you have multiple teams getting in. Yeah, they need Florida State or somehow Iowa to upset Michigan, which I don't think is going to happen. Florida State is the, the one. That's the most vulnerable the of one. the undefeated. Yes, it is. And yeah. that could be your spot. And I, as we've said, if Alabama were to beat Georgia, um, you know. Chaos helps. Chaos, chaos helps you there. Just roofing chaos because I think the more chaotic it gets, Texas' resume looks better. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if there's four undefeated teams, there's nothing you can do about that. And uh, you'll be the, the fifth-ranked team as a Big 12 champ and probably go to the Sugar Bowl. And uh, Hey, you know what? Longhorn fans, you still got to admit, ahead of schedule. I gotta look. I, everybody had them at 10-2. Yeah. Right. Well, look, <laughs> Way I mean, ahead of schedule. And, and, but we said if they could win the Big 12 championship, that's the goal. And, you know – the one lost Oklahoma stings even more at that point. But, uh, you know, uh, as you said, he- ahead of schedule. We'll come back when we do some uh, bullish or BS topics around the sports landscape that we're bullish on, maybe calling BS on, including some of these college football conversations and how bad did uh, A&M screw up this coaching hire down in College Station. Uh, details to come. I talk about with Ian Rodgers. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook em up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Hook em up with Ian Rodby on a Monday. Good, bad, and ugly from a great weekend. Longhorns emphatically into the Big 12 championship game. 
Uh, good conversation surrounding college football. It's uh, on the uh, text line. We always appreciate your conversation on on that text line. Five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Somebody said Sugar Bowl is the college football playoff this year. That's right. Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl are the semifinal games, but there still be there will still be a Sugar Bowl, correct? Like an actual Sugar Bowl. Oh yeah, they, they, yeah. They yeah. have the Sugar Bowl, yeah, and yeah, yeah. they. That's not how they do it. They don't. They, do they, they rotate the old like BCS games. So I think like last year, one of the semis is probably the Orange Bowl and like the Fiesta Bowl. And okay. Well, then we'll see because the long ones, if they don't make the College Bowl playoff, would be in a New Year's One Bowl, um, and that will all be decided on Sunday. I mean, all the bowl games will make their picks, and uh, the final that'll be Sunday morning actually was usually is when they put out the final uh, College Football playoff rankings, and um, then from there you know, the other bowl games get slotted and fit. Um, beyond that so uh but yes the sugar bowl and the rose bowl are semifinal sites this year that's cool um which, at least that's how i think uh, it, it works i don't i, I, I don't I, I'm, I'm like how could they have two sugar bowls when they would both be, be being played on new year's day right yeah, good question no, they don't uh, yeah you're right no they don't do, they don't do that i think you're right so i'm trying to figure out where texas would go if they don't make the college ball playoff uh, i mean they yeah i don't want to talk about that right now no use one in yeah what <laughs> somebody somebody mentioned that I We'll get to discuss uh, that later. Yeah, because like somebody said, Florida State may be down to their third quarterback. Well, they're yeah, they, the uh, starter Rodemaker hurt himself. See how healthy he is, and they play Louisville, and Louisville with Jeff Brom lost to Kentucky, which led to the Mark Stoops frenzy down at College Station. They were a little distracted. Hey, Rod, bullish or BS that uh, the Aggies have made a good hire of Mike Elko? Bullish or BS? Um, that's that's. Uh, I'm gonna go. Man, what's your definition of a good hire? That's the question. Right? What's your definition of a good hire? I don't know if he's a guy that I can tr- that I would trust guaranteeing double-digit wins in the SEC, but that's hard for anybody. Hell, we didn't know Sark was going to be what he is right now. Right? That was a – Sark was a, a slightly above-average head coach when he came to Texas. He was winning like 53 55% of his games, and now he's in a position to win the Big 12 title. Um, it's all about – I think he's going to do great with the culture. I think he's going to do really good with the defense. He, his offensive coordinator hire is going to be. I can't. I can't make that determination until I see who's going to be his offensive coordinator. Yeah, because well, that was their biggest point. issue. Well, I think for any new coach at a program, it, the, the the coaching staff, the first hire, the first staff you hire, determines your. And success. that's what Sark did a good job of. That's right. Give Sark credit. He's, he had a good staff. That's right, and that's what Charlie Strong and Tom Herman didn't do did a good job. Did not do. Of. Yes. Uh, you know, it's income. Dave back. Aranda did not do. Nope. Right. He's changed staffs like three times already. Yeah. Well, Mac Brown, when he got here, he hired his his staff, and it was. Pretty much his staff for the for mm-hmm. ten years. Uh, there were some guys leaving who got uh, got other jobs somewhere, but uh, you know that that is a key indicator. And you're right. But look, I do like Mike Elko. I think he's done a nice job. I do too. I mean, because because you know, is it is it, it, he was one of the first early guys we talked about. Mark Stoops came out of nowhere. Yes, he did. Uh, and so that's where Aggie fans revolted against the hire of Mark Stoops. I don't know that that would have been a horrible hire. He just doesn't know Texas very well and doesn't have ties like Mike Elko does. Because yep. they they sound like very same similar coaches to me. And, and the philosophies of how they coach, but at the same time, Mike Elko helped recruit a lot of that locker room and already knows a lot of that locker room, so he walks in with a familiarity to that. Any, a Jim, any on the Jimbo Fisher, that coaching tree, too, Elko? Well, he came from Notre Dame. Uh, when, when Jimbo got to, Notre, got to A&M, he had kind of an open checkbook to go hire this yeah. all-star staff, and Mike Elko was 
they pried him away from, from Notre Dame, and he came in and did a really good job with their defense. And Jimbo never did a really good job with the offense, Rod. Yeah. <laughs> so, at least he knows what's wrong with the program because he was in it. Yeah, and he did such a good job with the defense, he ended up getting the Duke job. And at Duke, he overachieved. He did more with, with less at Duke, which is why he's coming back, and he's going to be the pick. There could be a press conference today. If you were an Aggie uh, fan, wouldn't you want a fresh start, though? I, I feel like I mean, Elko, I like that more than Stoops. I feel like that would have been a terrible hire. But just to get kind of a fresh – ideology and yeah, culture I, in there yeah well that's what i mean i you've said a lot rod that jeff trailer was the one that scared you the most as a longhorn he fan did, but Oof. you know they weren't ready to go there with coach trailer and now houston could be the spot for jeff trailer because dana holgerson oh, has been man. that's still scary yeah that's <laughs> well, houston you talk about one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the country to look at the, the greater houston area they're top 10 in metro areas producing the most nfl players uh, most draftable nfl players since 2020 yeah, that's scary because he see what he did with San Antonio talent. Nothing against San Antonio, but you ain't H Town, and H Town ain't DFW right now. So <laughs> there are tears to this thing. But that's impressive. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay, uh, bullish or BS? Give it to me. And I think you're gonna be uh, bullish on this one. Cowboys actually are going to uh, bring in to uh, work out Shaq Leonard, three-time yeah. All-Pro linebacker Shaq Leonard is scheduled to visit the Cowboys. On Tuesday, per source, Dallas is staying at linebacker. DeMarvin Overshawn was actually in town for the Tech game. Shout out to DeMarvin Overshawn, actually. Demo. Demo. Um, but remember, obviously, Cowboys really liked him. He got hurt. Leighton Vanderesh, he got hurt. Cowboys need some reinforcements at linebacker. Bullish or BS, guys, uh, on Shaq Leonard uh, possibly being uh, an acquisition for the Cowboys. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, we said it when, it when he was released. I mean, it was a surprise to a lot of people, including, uh, you know, Darius Shaq Leonard. I mean, when he came into the league and as Darius Leonard, he's a, he was an all-pro. This guy's a great player. He was a good player. And I think it's a cap casualty, and as we said, it's kind of a new coaching staff there in Indianapolis that's going a different direction. So, no, I think the Cowboys should absolutely uh, be interested in that. I wish the Texans were interested in it, too, because I don't, I don't love the, the Texans linebacker play. Uh, and he knows the division uh, very, very well yeah. uh, in Houston. But, uh, no, I think that would be a great move for the Cowboys because Leighton Van Der Esch out, DeMarvion Overshone out, and you know what, uh, what Dan Quinn does with – Oh man! Freak players and Shaq yes, Leonard can exactly play to. I mean, he's on a bad team in Indianapolis. I mean, and with a new head coach and you know, going a different direction, bullish on that. Yeah, I like that. Hey Rod, the uh, the current bowl projections here. Uh, if the Longhorns don't make it to the Final Four, which would be at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, uh, or the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, um, to, to be a one of the Final Four, it says here according to CBS, bowl game projections: Fiesta Bowl against Tulane. Ugh. Does that do anything for you? Ugh. Mm. Fiesta Bowl, Tulane. I'd feel like a waste of a season at well, that point. Now, there also could be a don't, – Don't sleep on Tulane, though. Uh, Willie Fritz? Yeah, yeah. man. That, well, ask Willie USC Fritz, about it. Yeah, would they beat USC last year in the Cotton Bowl. Yep. And the Cotton Bowl takes a step up with the, uh, the way they call it the CFP is. And the Cotton Bowl would be Alabama-Washington. You wonder if they would, would – they, would, they, would they match Texas with Alabama again? Uh, because that, that would be, be your ratings. The, that would be number one in the Big 12, not in the playoff. And Alabama would be number two in the SEC if Georgia wins. Because uh, okay. if Georgia loses to Alabama, Texas is going to be in. Yeah, they're right about that. That's so, a good point. Yeah. I mean, I just – I would be BS on this because after the season, Texas, I'm not – and I wouldn't be, say sleep on Tulane. That's just not a sexy game in the Fiesta Bowl. Meanwhile, the Cotton Bowl in Arlington would be Alabama and Washington. That is a sexy game. That's really sexy. That's a hell of a game. Yeah, you damn right. That's a ratings monster. Uh, okay, bullish or BS. Uh, Ty, you got this audio? So um, the Spurs got a chance to play um, their old their old franchise player in Kawhi Leonard. They faced off this past weekend. 
Um, I've never seen this before, but Greg Popovich, when the crowd was booing and taunting Kawhi Leonard at the foul line, he stepped in. Here's the audio. Percent from the line on the season. And Kawhi with eight points tonight, three of five from the floor. It is only three. Excuse me for a second. Pops on Can the we mic. We stop all the booing. Let these guys play. It's got old class. It's not who we are. Knock off the booing. All right, bullish or BS, gentlemen. Uh, Pop coming on the mic to tell the fans to stop booing Kawhi Leonard. He's the worst. One of the most villainous players in the history of the NBA. Yeah. I, I went on Twitter with a rant on that. I thought that was BS. Uh, that is BS. I mean, Pop, I mean, those people bought their tickets. Uh, they don't like Kawhi Leonard for all the reasons we know. And they have every right to boo. No one was throwing anything at him. I mean, he's a big boy. Yeah. He can handle some booze. Come on, man. And then afterwards, to make it even worse, Pop tried to, you know, chide the media and say he was talking about don't poke the bear. Like he was trying to, he does. Like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. You were lecturing your fans. Is what you were doing, and they don't need a lecture. Come on, they're good, coach. Come on, pop. That was an old, old grumpy man yes. moment for you. That was a get off my lawn moment. Look, what whatever, you wherever you are politically, Greg Popovich is very strong in his political beliefs, but he lectures the media all the time. Yes, he does. Yep. On how to do their job. Mm-hmm. Soft. Um, you know. Come that, on, man. That, yeah, I agree. That was I've never seen anything like that. Have hey, you, ever, you shout watched out, a lot of NBA tie? No, nah, I've never I've never seen anything like that. And shout out to the Spurs fans. I, I know I don't get along with them very often, but for booing Pop for saying that, you can you can hear some of the boons rain down on him. Yeah, so, you're right. Uh, he deserves it's it. booing. I think if they're throwing things on the floor, okay, yeah, got you, hundred percent. Amateur athletes, maybe you can take that stance. Get the guy no. forced his way out of this, your city. You have you have a right to boo him. It's not like he. I mean, he won you a championship, yes, but the way he exited was not very graceful. Not, he ghosted the team. He, he did. Ghosted he faked them. an injury for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Just to get out. Yeah. Well, remember, the, I mean, the, the story went, Pop went out to California, meet with him, try to beg him back. He said, Sorry, "When he meet with him, nah. I'm done. I'm good." And, you know, so fans are going to be bitter about that. He was the finals MVP. He was the next guy after Duncan and Pop and the other Ginobili and those guys. Thank God for Wimby. Yeah, now you got Wimby. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of that, Pop. All right, we'll be back. Hook him up with Ian Rodby.